In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, in 1942, Reverend Packer here at Zion wrote a brief history of the congregation in celebration of 100 years in ministry. Uh, he writes about the time that, that St. Matthew's here in Lafayette and the old Zion congregation at the Fisher Church came together in 1921. So exactly 100 years ago this year. And he writes at that first congregational meeting that they left a note on the minutes from that meeting. And that note says, we are glad and happy to note here for future reference in history that perfect harmony and good feelings prevailed at this, the first congregational meeting of Old Zions and the village of Lafayette. Well, I love that the leaders of the congregation took time to write that note on that day. Because we're not left wondering years later, a hundred years later, if such a merger decision came together, to come together was a bitter one. In fact, they tell us that the congregation was in harmony. And now, a hundred years later, we can look back and we can see the roots of this congregation formed in Christian harmony for the sake of bringing the gospel to this community. Well, the marking of the past and the celebration of the stories handed down to us it has important spiritual implications. For instance, you all know that there are congregations and churches that begin in conflict. They begin from church splits and divisions. And very often, they fail to ever identify themselves as anything other than a church that's been separated. That story for them has been ingrained. Well, I hope it's also true on some level that Zion exists as a congregation founded on harmony and founded on a true desire to be faithful in this community. And so as we look at our psalm this morning, I would invite you to keep that idea in mind. Because Psalm 26 assumes that the past is important. It's important not just for warm feelings of nostalgia. It's important because the church should thank God and remember his faithfulness in the past in order to pray in the present for the joy of the future. We remember God's faithfulness in the past in order to pray in the present for the joy of the future. And so in four words, Psalm 26 might be summarized as joy remembered, joy anticipated. Our psalm begins with a remembrance of what God has done for his people. It says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then we were like those who dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. This good favor from the Lord was unmerited. It was a surprise. Right? The psalmist says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. In other words, they were like prophets. They never really thought the Lord would restore their fortunes. It was something they held on to and hope. And the psalm does not tell us specifically what the Lord restored his people from. This could be a reference to the exodus out of Egypt, the return from Babylon, or maybe some kind of deliverance from an enemy or a natural disaster. We don't know. But the psalm points to an unexpected and unpredictable restoration. In other words, God's people were surprised by joy. The Lord was always caring for his people even when they were at their most hopeless. He had never left them. Verse 4 of the psalm then shows us that the prayers of God's people 
are inspired by God's past faithfulness. They remembered what the Lord had done in the past. And so they cried out again, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. They prayed this because not only did they know the Lord was capable, but from past experience, they knew he had not abandoned them. The psalm draws a comparison to the Negev. It's a region in the southern part of Israel that's mostly desert. But seasonally, it gets a heavy rain, and it fills up all the dry streams, and it makes life possible. You can never really time the rains or the floods, like sometimes farmers did at the Nile in Egypt. So then the Negev was really never really inhabited or farmed. But there were times when that sporadic rain made life possible. Even in the most arid place, green life sprang to be. Well, this is how the Israelites approach God in prayer. They know that they cannot time the restoration of their fortune, but they know that it's coming. They know that the Lord has not forgotten them. For us, too, the past informs how we pray. We remember that God is true to his word. What he has said and done in the past is still relevant today. The Lord's Prayer is an example of this for us. Right, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Deliver us from evil. All of these petitions are based on what God has done for us and what he has promised to do in the future. And so our faith is based on this very idea, knowing what God has done and is faithful to do in the present and in the future. In the past few weeks, I've spoken a great deal in connection to the font here about remembering our baptisms. Right, And the font is in the sanctuary. It's a symbol of this idea of remembering God's faithfulness. It's a remembering that God has made specific promises to us Right, that our sins are forgiven, that we're forever marked in the name of Christ, and that together we're connected as one people. But it all comes back to remembering God's word, remembering his promises, and remembering what he has done for us. And so verses 5 and 6 of the psalm tell us then to remember what God has done, and specifically to remember what God has done so that we don't waste our times of sorrow. Verse 5 in the psalm says, Those who sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy. As you all know, life has cyclical patterns that take us up and down. There's a season for everything, as Ecclesiastes tells us. The Christian life, like any other, is going to have periods of sorrow. There will be periods of health, periods of illness. There'll be times when we celebrate and times when we grieve times where we mourn, times where we're confused and hurt, times where we feel that this life is a world of tears. But the psalm tells us not to waste our time of sorrow. In fact, it compares the tears of our sorrow to seeds. Well, I know very little about farming, but I know that if a farmer takes all of the seed he has bought and he dumps it into a pile in the corner of his field, he'll have wasted it. Right? He will not harvest anything, and he'll get no reward at the end of the year for buying that seed. Likewise, if we take our sorrowful times and we become full of self-pity, if we isolate ourselves, we'll have wasted our tears. God promises us. He promises that our tears will be turned to joy. But we need to use our time of sorrow 
to learn to depend on the Lord. When we take those hard times and learn that God's promises are true, and that as he has taken care of his people in the past, he will take care of us. And then, at that point, we can begin to reap the joy of our many tears. Luther says that we know that the Christian life is inflicted with suffering, affliction, distress, and even death. But these happen so that through them, God may impel us and cause us to run to him, to cry out to him, and to call upon his holy name. We are faced with hardships, with sorrows, because they teach us to rely on nothing less than the promises of God. It's in these hardships that the true knowledge of God becomes more than just doctrine. It's in those hardships where we know that we have to turn to the Lord. And so in that turning to the Lord, God becomes real to us. God will often stay just intellectual doctrine if we never face trial. God may just become an idea. Unless in our own suffering we have learned to call on him as the one who loves us through Jesus Christ. Hard times, according to the psalm, are not meaningless. Right? And so we will face trials. We will be tempted to sin. We will be inconvenienced. We will suffer. We will be ill. We will have pain. But in the midst of all of that, God still loves us. And so we don't waste our hardships, we don't waste our sorrow, but we take what we've learned from them and turn to God's word. We remember that God has been faithful to us in the past. And so we lean on the promises of God in those hardships. So when things go completely sideways in our life, we rely on what God has told us. We remember what he has done for his people. We say with St. Paul, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so as we go through hardships, trials, the psalmist tells us to remember. We must remember that God has always been faithful to his people. And this is why celebrating Harvest Home this morning is such a godly experience for us. More than just warm nostalgia, it causes us to remember. It causes us to remember that God has been faithful to this congregation in this community for over 180 years. God used the men and women of this congregation, many who have long since passed, to encourage all of us to build us up in our faith. And remembering that, you will remember that God is also faithful to you. And use that remembrance to turn to him. To remember his promises to you. Yes, there might be a long winter coming. But the end of that winter will come. There will be planting again. There will be joy again. And if we know how to sow in sorrow, we will harvest in joy. Today we remember that that's always true. In Christ the Lord, we are promised that we will harvest joy. Today we remember with joy all that the Lord has done. But also, let us anticipate with joy all that he is going to do through us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.